I want to ask, do you believe in God? Good, all right. Well, sure, I kind of figured I'd get a whole bunch of yeses from this crowd. Even if you're not feeling so sure about that yes tonight, let's be honest, there may be sufficient peer pressure in this room to make you want to nod your head instead of just shrugging. But I've got to say, I think the question, do you believe in God, is not a simple question. Because first we have to agree on what we mean by believe, a topic I've unpacked on other occasions and that I won't go into deeply tonight. But then we also have to agree on what we mean by God, right? When I ask you whether you believe in God, here's what happens. Watch me. You automatically conjure in your mind an image of what God means. That image has been conditioned personally for you by a lifetime of experiences from parents, faith communities, school, TV and movies, day-to-day -day conversation. It may or may not also have been informed by something you'd recognize as a direct encounter with God. Regardless, when I say God, you call up an image in your mind that is unique to you. And then you try to answer the question, do I believe in this being? Well, if God made everything that is, we might not even be able to call God a being per se, but the very question puts the cart before the horse. I've asked you, do you believe in God? But the question you're answering is about the image in your head, which may not be very accurate. And it can never actually match the image in my head or in anyone else's. So whichever way you answer my question, I don't really know what you're affirming or denying. Now, of all the world religions, Christianity is unique because of our assertion that God showed up among us in person so that we could see and experience God firsthand. As Christians, instead of asking, do you believe in God, we could put it differently. We could ask, as you come to know Jesus as revealed to us in the Gospels, can you possibly imagine that he might be, in actuality, a revelation of the reason we are all here? That's still quite abstract. But it's a little more manageable, isn't it? I mean, there are zillions of images of God, but we only have so many stories about Jesus. No photos, no video, no paintings, just a handful of stories. Maybe that's why Jesus was only among us for three decades, and in active ministry for a much shorter time than that, so that we could wrap our minds and hearts around God in a more concentrated form. Jesus of Nazareth is not all that God is, but Jesus is the image God gives us, so we can come to a better consensus of our image of God. Yet it's not just about forming some static image of Jesus and professing he literally existed. That's easy. The Gospels don't paint a portrait, but a story. And in his story, Jesus, I notice, is always on the move. He comes down, not literally from the sky, but figuratively down from God's omnipotence and omnipresence. Jesus takes on a limited human perspective. Jesus walks among us in humility, poverty, and even frustration. 
He goes up and down mountains and in and out of cities. He makes friends and enemies. He brings good news to outcasts and urges the comfortable to open themselves to change. He speaks confidently about what God is really like because he would know. Then Jesus goes down, down into death. Not to pay a long overdue debt to an angry image of a deity in someone's head, but so that the one who created us can stand in solidarity with us in the very depths of the human experience of despair. On the third day, Jesus comes out of the tomb, a slaughtered Passover lamb, but no longer dead, risen to a new form. And on this, the 40th day, the feast of the ascension, Jesus goes back up again, if not literally into the sky, maybe, but also figuratively back into God's omnipotence and omnipresence. Jesus stops being somewhere specific so that we can better perceive God to be everywhere. When Jesus ascended from the earth, I'm sure it felt to the disciples like he was abandoning them. But what he was really doing was getting out of the way. Jesus gets out of his own way to make room for more of God, but also to make more room for our choices and actions. I mean, let's face it, if the risen Christ had continued to hang around, the disciples never would have grown up. They would have kept relying on Jesus to do things for them. I doubt Jesus actually wanted to ascend. Having made the earth his home, he probably wanted to continue the work of marrying earth to heaven so that all may be one. That work does continue. But it seems that God has decided to let the kids help. We all know that letting the kids help can be dangerous, right? The kids want to help, but they don't yet have all the skills they need. The trick, of course, is that if they're never given the chance to try, they'll never develop those skills. So we carve out a space for the kids to exercise free reign while we adults watch attentively and maybe even anxiously from the sidelines, always ready to swoop in and rescue the kids from anything dangerous that they might do out of mere youthful ignorance. Well, is God like this? Standing by, watching, waiting? ready to rescue, it's not a perfect metaphor. We don't see God always yanking us out of harm's way. Just tonight, at the time of the prayers of the people, we're going to lament the ongoing scourge of gun violence in our country. Just one way that we humans use our free will to destroy one another. Some people kill others with guns. Other people... People with more power make themselves complicit by refusing to regulate those guns in any basic, sensible way. For we are fearful creatures. We don't see God jumping in to prevent or stop violence. We can't prove that God never does this. But we know full well it's not the general rule. Most of us, even those of us who do claim strongly to believe in God, Nevertheless, experience God as a hands-off parent. We want free will, of course we do. But we want free will mostly for ourselves 
and for those we love and trust. We don't want free will for those who might harm us. And it's this tension, this inability to reconcile God's creative giving love with God's apparent neglect, this is what leads many people to say, well, if God can't save us from ourselves, then God cannot be good, and therefore, I no longer believe in God. I said earlier that there's more than one kind of belief. We can use the word to refer to existence. I believe in the moon. I've seen it with my own eyes. Or we can use it to refer to trust. My child, I'm happy to let you try this new skill because I believe in you. Sometimes when people say, I don't believe in God, it doesn't even matter anymore which version of belief they intend. They have given up on God's trustworthiness and therefore they have given up on God's existence. I understand the temptation to give up on God. I also recognize that I may not have felt this temptation as strongly as some other people have. There is so much terror in this world from which I am typically shielded. I live a life that appears to have no guns in it. I don't own one. I don't care to. I just want the guns to go away. It's naive. I know. It's unrealistic. I know. But it's the honest feeling of one priest. Just melt them all down and make farm equipment out of them. But I have not feared for my life in the way so many other people have. I cannot speak for them. And I've said before that maturity means moving from this makes no sense to I don't understand. It also means moving from it cannot be this way to since this is the way things are, what will I do next? And I don't understand guns, not personally. But since there are more guns than people in our country, and since they're not going away, what will I do next? Well, my own call is to gather all of you in worship, even on a hot night, even just a few of us, for one of the seven principal feasts of the year, to lament, to pray, to call out to the God we do believe in. If Jesus shows us God's face, then we can gaze deeply into his personality and seek to become of one will with him. We can want what Jesus wants, Peace, not war. Trust, not terror. Self-giving, not violence. Each one of us can dedicate ourselves to the way of love in whatever ways that love shines through our individual unique lives. We can help make spaces where violence is not only unnecessary but also unwanted. And we can gather every week and sometimes even more often for special occasions like this, we can hold one another and bless one another so that even when one of us says, today I cannot believe, others can say, that's okay. You don't have to. Today, I'll do your believing for you. Maybe this is why Jesus got out of the way so that the Holy Spirit could enter into every one of us and strengthen us for the long haul in this harrowing world, so there could be more God 
more love, more comfort, and all the goodness that we can share with one another. Amen.